So did you brave the pools at all? Did you try out the aqua dunk yourself at all? Or was it just too chilly? Oh, yeah, we did. <laughs> We're not <gonna> <laughs> back everybody this week's episode of the dcl duo podcast and we are traveling all the way over to the united kingdom this evening and to frankly pretty close to one of our favorite cities to talk about a disney cruise line sailing out of tilbury which is the port that is closest to london that our guest went on recently it was his first time on disney cruise line his first time cruising as an adult and he went in with a bang because he did a back-to-back on the magic a ship that is near and dear to many hearts so let me start by welcoming anthony to our show welcome anthony hi thank you very much thank you very much for having me yeah we're so excited to talk to you We, of course, can't wait to get across the pond over back to London, but we have never sailed out of Tilbury and we are supposed to be sailing out of Dover next year. That's really exciting. Yeah. Tilbury was certainly, um, it was a great port to sail from. Yeah. I heard heard some mixed reviews of the port. Maybe we can can talk about that down the line. Why don't we start with Anthony, what is your background with Disney? This was your first Disney cruise, so you don't have a huge cruising background, but what's your background with Disney? And then, you know, how did you decide, I got to get on board one of these ships? Absolutely. So very fortunate that when I was younger, um, my family took us to Disney World a good few times. And so we had sort of really fun memories of that growing up. And I, yeah, I certainly have a lot of memories of my dad just taking us first thing in the morning. We'd stay on the International Drive first thing in the morning, take us to the parks, and we would just be there the whole day. And how he it was able to keep awake and, and drive us back, I will never know. So really fun memories of that. And then we just didn't go for a long time. So maybe sort of 10 years when we were sort of teenagers as a, like a last family trip when we went to Walt Disney World. And then I got married. We sort of traveled all over the world to all sorts of different places and didn't really sort of give Disney a second thought. But in my late 20s, we, I just said to my wife, let's do like a one-off, like once-in-a-lifetime trip to Walt Disney World. We never got to stay on site as kids, so it'd be really great to stay on site. So we stayed at Pauline's Riverside for, um, for two weeks for this once-in-a-lifetime trip. And we just never looked back. You just, you know, once you're in that bubble and you just, everything, all your cares kind of disappear away, don't they? And it's just such a fantastic place to be. So since then, we sort of went to Walt Disney World at least every couple of years up until the pandemic, really. That first trip was not a once in a lifetime (laughs) trip. It was just the first of many, it sounds like. Yeah, it just sort of kept getting bigger and bigger each time. So always trying to do new things and new experiences and uh, I think the last trip was at Animal Kingdom Lodge, which was for two weeks was just just unbelievable. We've been lucky as well, sort of in between, to be able to go to Disneyland Paris, because obviously it's not that far away, and obviously more inexpensive compared to a Walt Disney World trip. But yeah, just uh, I think since that first trip, the kind of the Disneyness around the house has just increased. So yeah, really kind of into sort of Imagineering books, and obviously listening to podcasts like yourself and Wedway Radio and. And be our guest and things like that. So just kind of just getting more and more Disney knowledge. Yeah, it sounds like the 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 obsession is real for you as it is for us. <laughs> Absolutely, one hundred percent. Yeah, Anthony, wh- why did you like what what sparked your interest in the cruise line? Like what what uh, what made you think like I got to do one of these Disney cruises? Was it was it unique to these sailings they're doing right now in the UK and the accessibility of those, or had you always kind of had the seed in the back of your mind? I'd love to do a Disney cruise. Um, it was to do with the convenience, I think, because I think 
the thought of not going to a park, I think, always just wrangled with me because I'd had that experience. The idea of not going to a theme park just seemed so alien to me, especially because that was the relative cost. And it, it just, it's something we just sort of thought we'll do it, but sort of one day in the future, maybe, you know, when we're older or, but we've always got that next Walt Disney World trip that we're planning for and saving for. Um, and it was quite a last minute decision, really. It was only about five weeks ago that we decided to do it. There wasn't full availability on every room type, for example. So we had to kind of work our way through to see how we could kind of get the best kind of option for us. But I think once the idea caught hold, so it was my wife's suggestion, once the idea caught hold and I thought, I can do some Disney research here and I can really kind of find the best room and the kind of best sailing and what we could do back to back and there were discounts that you could kind of do and there's a little bit of planning involved. I was, I was, yeah, fully on board from that point. <laughs> well, and, and back, so that's the other decision. You decided not just, I, you can't live with just one cruise. You had to do two. So it did end up being, what, six nights or seven nights on board for you? So it was, it was only, because the, they were doing some really short sailings. So what we ended up doing, actually, it was only four nights. Even though it was a back-to-back, it was only four nights because they were doing these two-night sailings. And I felt like a Two nights, sort of one full day at sea, that could, you know, you could get on, absolutely love it. And then you, you, you're kind of off the next day and obviously you're off, you know, quite early. So it made sense to us to, to extend the trip to do it for the, for the four nights. Um, and they were offering this 10% discount if you book both together and it makes you a silver Castaway Club member, which is quite appealing as well. <laughs> so yeah, it just seemed like a no-brainer and like really much better value compared to some of the other sort of sailings that they had. Yeah, I, I hear you there in terms of two nights. Uh, three nights is very short for us. So two nights, uh, yeah, that 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 that's hardly worth getting out of bed for, especially you had a four-hour drive to the port, you said, before the show, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it had to be kind of worth the effort of going down there. And it ended up being the same price for... For for whatever reason, it ended up being the same price for four nights as it would have been for a three night sailing. So it, it yeah, it was a no brainer really. Yeah, so you get an extra night out of it. That's that's a smart way to go for sure. Was there any added um, I don't know hassle or difficulty in doing these back to back, or was it fairly easy to put them together? And you know, did you get the same rooms and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, so the only slight difficulty is that you had to kind of phone up to arrange it all. You know, to make sure they could apply the discount, and because it was my first time booking a cruise as well, it, that just felt like the right way to go. But they were fantastic. They took a lot of effort to make sure that we could stay in the same rooms. So there would be no disruption. It took them a long time to kind of you know put us on hold to do that, but obviously much appreciated and worth the kind of extra effort. Was a few little niggles that you have to book the two cruises completely separately on the phone, <laughs> so you have to repeat all your details and kind of go through the whole thing. So I think the call to book it took about. 50 minutes or something like that in the end, but worth it for the convenience when you're there. I think the same really happens if you're booking on, from the US as well to to make sure you're going to get the same stateroom and all of that. It, it is a little bit, just a little bit more work on that front end of booking. Now, was this, was this the whole family sailing? Yeah. So it was uh, me, my wife and a little boy. He's just turned three. So fun. Wonderful. Well, I won't go through the entire booking process and all of that sort of stuff. We've had several folks on to talk about that. I want to focus on the meat and potatoes here, which is the cruise itself. Actually, what I do want to ask about, though, is the port. I've heard some mixed reviews of Tilbury as a cruise port, and I'm just curious, what is the cruise terminal like at Tilbury? Because I was I was personally surprised to hear that Disney sails out of Dover when there's a port closer to London. What is the port of Tilbury like? 
So when obviously the area around the port is quite industrial, so as I was leading up to it, it's not the most exciting of places to get to, but it was very convenient. Um, obviously, we were driving quite a long way and we found the drive down really sort of simple and getting out really simple as well. Again, I think we've heard plenty about the kind of COVID procedures and, and things like that. I think the least glamorous part was the kind of COVID area, as efficient and as simple as they tried to make it the sort of waiting area for your results was like a big metal shed (laughs) (laughs) where it was raining that morning and it was it was not waterproof so that was probably the least glamorous part but when you get into the main port building it's quite an old quite a nice building actually plenty of kind of space for, for waiting and a really nice kind of area to wait to get on board and to be honest, it was that efficient and that quick getting you through. It didn't matter too much because I mean, about an hour and 20 minutes between literally arriving in the car, because you can park right outside the ship, um, an hour and 20 minutes from parking the car to getting through all the testing, getting the results and seeing Mickey Mini in the atrium. So it was really efficient. That's awesome. Now, did just, I, well, we won't go into all of the details on, on testing and everything. Well, I just wanted to ask, did everyone have to get tested? So the PCR was just for a little boy. So the five days before was just him. And then the um, lateral flow test just before was all three of us. And then the back-to-back middle bit was just a son. <laughs> so he had to have another lateral flow on day three. Oh, interesting. Like at the cruise terminal again? No, we stayed on board. It was in D-Lounge that they did it. And literally, we got our results in about 20 minutes. We just sat there watching cartoons. So again, that was pretty efficient and pretty quick. So yeah, can't complain on any of that side of things. So it was between cruise testing, but because you were staying on, they did another test. Is that kind yes. of what they did? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. When you boarded in Tilbury, the all-important question, did they board you into the atrium? And if they did, what was that like? Because that tends to be a fairly magical moment. <laughs> so, yeah, so I was a bit taken aback because I had mistakenly read somewhere that you did the app first. So you went into a room and they taught you through the app and then you went into the atrium. I don't know why I thought that was going to be the case, thinking about it. So we, we just sort of, and I was saying to my wife, don't worry, we're going to be sit, sitting down and we're going to get everything logged into the app. And then we were immediately just into the atrium and I was so taken aback. So it was weird because I knew it was coming, but I was actually really surprised because I wasn't expecting it. And again, having a three-year-old, I was so nervous about how he would react to, um, you know, he's lived most of his life in kind of lockdown, how he's going to react to such a, you know, that's kind of a big thing to happen. And he was just, and it's really cliche and everyone says it, he's been on the show, but it was incredible. Like he, his face was, he was just so happy, just, you know, just pure joy. So it was just, yeah, it was so fantastic to see and such a kind of great start to it. And again, you've just gone through quite a, some of the process isn't that exciting and that fun. And then it really did just kind of kickstart things and gets you on your way really nicely. So yeah, it was incredible. And it just looks so much better than any videos that you might see as well. It's just, yeah, you can't kind of bring it to life in that. Oh, I love that. It's hard to capture that full atmosphere of that atrium on video. It really, really is. And the special the special moment of getting your family name announced. It's just, yeah, you got to be there to experience it. So I'm glad you got that experience. We've heard about some of the cruise terminals are having folks board at, you know, deck one or whatever. And that is just not quite as magical as getting on the atrium. So even if you, yeah, even if you then get taken up to the atrium, it's still like, I think when you enter in that atrium, it's just. It's so beautiful on all four of the ships. The the atrium is just so beautiful. The Disney touches are everywhere. And then with this new 
boarding show, atrium show with Mickey and Minnie. It's just, I don't know, like you said, fantastic. So Anthony, what's, what, what time did you get on board the ship then? So it was about quarter past one. Oh, that's pretty good then. You still had you still had most of the day ahead of you. Were staterooms ready? Did you head to your stateroom or did you head someplace else? So the staterooms were ready from three. So we went straight to Cabanas. Because you can't eat before, you shouldn't really eat before you have a lateral flow test. About, about half an hour before, you shouldn't really have anything. So at that point, we were pretty hungry. And I just heard so much about Cabanas. So I went straight there. That ended up being our only time in cabanas that one time as, as fantastic as the kind of first sort of half an hour was um and obviously yeah you go to the atrium and then you go to do your sort of check drill yeah exactly muster drill so you can do that and that's kind of like they force you to do it as much as they say you've got to do it by six o'clock they are sending you straight there you know very kind of clear on where to go so then we were into, into cabanas, and I must have been at that point, we were sat down and we're like, this is quite overwhelming. <laughs> so if you've never <laughs> been on a cruise before and you get that feeling, if you're ever in, a, in the shoes that we were in, don't worry. <laughs> Things start to make sense quickly and you find your feet really quickly. But that first sort of hour was like, wow, a lot is happening here. Um, and yeah, had some fantastic food at cabanas. So that was great. And then there was a kind of a bit of a, what do we do now? You just have a little bit of time. We just sort of tried to kind of get our bearings and just have a little look around. And then we could get to our, get to our stateroom. Did you guys check out the, the kids club in, you know, when you were sort of doing that walk around the, the ship and, and, you know, did you end up using the kids club? We did. Yeah. That was one of the things we did before we went into our stateroom. We did go um, into the kids club to have a little look around. We had a few little things sort of set up for, for kids to do. Unfortunately, we couldn't use the kids club because our son isn't potty trained yet. So, which we didn't know we were booking it. Not that we even expected that he would go into a kids club, but we, we, um, I do. there's one thing I would suggest to Disney if they could flag to people that if they're not potty trained, you've got some different, you'll have a different experience, I think it's fair to say. Because it's the same with the pools as well. Obviously, that limits what they can do um, in the pools. Obviously, they had open houses on the, the full sea days as well, so you could kind of go in so every day. We could we could kind of go in and have a look around and and sort of play around there. So yeah, and they're just incredible spaces. Like I just I just wish they had more. I wish the adults could spend more time in those places. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, we. We, whenever we love to go to the open houses to check, to check out the kids clubs. Cause we, we love just like, I don't actually don't know if they have them on the magic, but they have these really cool hand-washing stations. Yes. The yes, they did. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sort yeah. Of put, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Where you put your hands in and it like rotates around your hands. Yeah. We, we love those. I know that sounds silly, but, um, but that's a really good point you make. Yeah. If you have children that are, uh, so three and older is for the kids clubs, three and under is for the nursery, but the nursery is not open or hasn't been reopened yet. But the requirement for the kids club, even if your child is three, they have to be potty trained. They have to be able to toilet themselves is essentially the, the issue because the counselors don't do diaper changes and whatnot. They do in the nursery, but in the nursery, it's an added fee when they eventually reopen that the nursery availability. I think they haven't reopened just because of the, you know, the masking and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And and Anthony, your comment about the pools is just you can't have kids in the main pool in a swim diaper. They have to be potty trained. But I think you can still access some of the shallower pools and the splash pad areas, right? So you could only go in officially. You could only go in the there's like a ne- like a nephews a really small nephews splash pad area. So you couldn't go into 
there's like a sh- like a shallow pool and like a splash a larger splash area. So he, he wasn't allowed to go in there officially. Officially, he may have had a little. He may have had a little. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he's three years old and he's like, he's, yeah, he's he's kind of safe. So yes, yes, there's only like a really little area that they can officially go in. So I think that is something worth sort of bearing in mind uh, for sure when people are sort of planning, especially if it's maybe is a one-off trip or the only kind of. Yeah, it's kind of once in a lifetime. It might be worth waiting until kids are a little bit older. Yeah. Well, and that's the case on pretty much all cruise ships, as I understand it, because they don't use chlorinated water in the pools. They are using seawater in the pools. Um, That's really the the reason for children in diapers not being allowed in those pools. Yeah, it's a good reason. (laughs) Right, exactly. It's a good reason for, for everybody else. It's just a bummer for people who have little ones uh, because, you know, especially little kids usually want to get into a pool. So being limited to the splash pad, you know, is not, is a little disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. But again, completely understandable. Well, stateroom, Anthony, what, what kind of stateroom did you book? And we've heard about some folks getting upgraded on board. So yeah. What was your stateroom situation on the ship? And what did you think? So we had the room was 6058, which is a 5B. It's midship. I can't remember the exact title of it. I think that is it, is it a deluxe veranda stateroom? I think they call it. Well, yeah, it might be deluxe family veranda stateroom. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. So it was fantastic. Like, uh, I mean, I know again, people say these things all the time, but the bed's so comfortable. The split bathroom just makes such a huge difference. Having a bath for, again, when you've got a little one makes just to kind of keep in with the routine is, is really strong as well. One thing that I wish Walt Disney World would do is have the curtain across across the room. <laughs> that really did make such a difference at bedtime to be able to kind of eat him feel like he had his own space and for us to be able to just sort of carry on and not have to like sit in the dark, which obviously you sometimes have to do when you're sort of sharing a room. So please, Walt Disney World, add a, if they could add a curtain in, that would be fantastic. And he just loved his, he just thought it was magic every time his bed transformed from a couch to a, <laughs> to a bed. <laughs> when he, the sheets changed to the Marvel sheets, uh, the Marvel bed in on Marvel morning, he was just so happy. And obviously he like did a big thank you to the room steward. And so they let him keep those sheets on for the whole, for the whole um, stay. And he was just so happy. So yeah, just bigger than I was expecting. So comfortable. Yeah, just, just brilliant. Oh, I love, I love that he loved the Marvel sheets. I also, I didn't realize there was a Marvel day. So it's like a Marvel morning. Okay. On the, on the sea day. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. And when you say change the sheets, I know they leave out like special bed runners and stuff. Is that what they did? Or was there something more for, uh, for the kids? So it was, it was like a fresh pillowcase, like a, a Marvel pillowcase. It was a Marvel sort of sheet over Fitted the red. Sheet, yeah. 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 So it was like the full thing. Well, so Anthony, it sounds like the stateroom worked out for you guys. Did um, so? I'm curious on since it was two night. Normally, you need the minimum of three to get to each of the dining locations on board in the rotational dining. And so, how did that? Did you get a chance to experience each of the dining locations on board, or was it really only two that you got to got to experience? We did, yeah. Very. So the first two we had was um, so Animator's Palette on the first night, and then we had Rapunzel's on the second night. And then obviously your breakfast on your, what normally would be your um, debarkation day, that was Lumiere's. We wanted to stay with our, with our servers, and they said that their rotation next was going to be Rapunzel's and Lumiere's for, for the evening meals, and that was exactly what we wanted. 
So it was just perfect. Um, oh, that's awesome. So we got to try all, all the restaurants. And because for lunch and breakfast as well, we tended to go to the restaurants rather than um, go to cabanas. So we, we, we sort of I think went to each one at least twice, most of them maybe three times. Now, why did you guys choose to do the sit down breakfast and lunch? Was that, I know for me, a buffet is nice because you have a lot of choice, but when you have a kid, it's actually kind of a pain because you're like carrying, juggling two different plates and trying to figure out who, who's staying with the kid at the table while you're going up to get the food. And was that part of the calculus for eating in the dining rooms or did you just like the food better? Or what was what was the reason for that? That was exactly it. It was, like I said, the first day at Cabanas. I'm glad we went and the food was great and there's, there's nothing wrong with Cabanas, obviously. I know people love it. But from a convenience point of view, we were like, someone could just do this for us. <laughs> we could just sit here <laughs> and, you know, you can still get you know, chicken tenders or a burger if you want to in um, in the sit-down restaurants. And obviously we loved the kind of dining experience anyway. So it, it just felt like a really obvious thing to do to us. So I think people who are maybe worried about that or think that we'll get sick of the restaurants or something, please do just, just do it if you've got a young kid because it just made our life so much easier. And they go to such lengths to... You know, to keep your little ones entertained. It's like I remember on the last night in Lumiere's, obviously not the most exciting restaurant for a three-year-old. He did start to get a little bit sort of a little bit bored and was just getting a little bit restless. And they just went so out of their way to keep him entertained, you know, sort of making him origami and making kind of making, you know, different animals out of napkins and doing all, all the, so many different things because they could just tell we wanted to just eat our meals whilst he was... <laughs> you know, making a fuss about things. And, they, you know, they really kind of kept an eye out for us and looked after us. So, um, yeah, big, just big fan of the sit-down. Well, it sounds like you had a fabulous serving team. And I'm really glad you got, the, I'm really glad to hear that you got to experience Rapunzel's and Animators. I think those are the stars of the show on The Magic for sure. What did you think about the food overall? Because you had a great serving team, but how was the uh, how was the food? We've heard, again, some differing opinions around that coming out of the UK. Really strong, in my opinion. The really good meals uh, really outweighed for maybe a couple of things that weren't amazing, but the vast majority of meals are fantastic. Took some of your advice that I've heard in the past. So I had that truffle pasta was just so, so good. I really, really enjoyed that. The desserts in particular, just always savoring for desserts. <laughs> we did a lot of having, <laughs> sometimes it'd have like a main meal for a starter so like these potato pancakes this vegetarian dish i think that was in I think that was in rapunzel's so that, that was just a really good kind of thing to have as a starter similarly we had like multiple starters instead of mains in different restaurants so we mixed and matched lots and anytime we saw something that you talked about um on the podcast we tried to kind of order it and just we're not disappointed so yeah the cookies and cream sunday and um, <laughs> yeah, yeah Ryan loves just, that one <laughs> just so good yeah well the beautiful part about dining on disney is like on this last cruise i was on they'll just bring you as much as you want so if you want to taste everything on the menu they'll do it i'm always a little hesitant because i'm like i don't want to have that much food waste sitting around that's that's obnoxious i think but but you can really dabble and try i think there was one night that uh the guy I sailed with and i tried three different desserts because we just wanted to try them he really wanted to try the sugar-free carrot cake. And just let me tell you, the server warned us 15 times before bringing it to the table that the sugar-free <laughs> desserts were not the way to go. But, uh, they're fine if you're diabetic, but if you're used to real desserts, they're not going to be, you're going to be a little disappointed. Yeah. But it was a good sport. We tried it and it was, you know, it was nice to try something different. So yeah, it's a great thing about the cruise line. 
Well, glad to hear you had such a great dining experience on board. Hopefully next time around, you might, uh, your little one might be old enough to get into the kids club and you can go experience Palo. But uh, yeah, but Fortnite cruise, I think you're, you did the right thing by sticking with the dining rotation for sure. Activities on board, Anthony, what uh, did, did you guys get into any family activities or manage to keep the little kiddo uh, and napping perhaps while you did a little trivia or something? What, what kind of activities did you do? So we did a real mix of things, actually. So we did some of the trivia. So they had things like just a general Disney trivia. They had tunes. They had some Marvel trivia. So we did maybe three of those. There was some sort of craft activities. They kind of had mask making um, on the Marvel morning, just some kind of general coloring um, activities too. So our little boy joined us for, for all of all of those different things. But lots of character meet and greets, as, as you would expect as well. So we had on the Marvel morning, for example, there was Thor, Captain Marvel, and Black Panther. So our son was very excited to see Black Panther. However, when he got to the front of the line, he refused to have a picture and got a bit upset. So that would be, that would be another bit of advice I'd give. That it, it's like, I know everyone wants the picture and to have that thing to take away, but he just really enjoyed just seeing them and waving at them. Like it wasn't just about kind of posing and having a picture and he just liked kind of getting close to them and having a little bit of interaction, even if it was from a distance, because he's three and to see a superhero is is actually quite, I suppose, intimidating. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, th- I think that meant as much to us as it did kind of having that picture. There was that, I think maybe this has been discussed before, but the official photographer, that was when you could take your mask off and stand behind the characters. The kind of ones where there wasn't official photographer where you were taking them with your own phone. They were where you were standing in front of them with a mask on. So um, didn't that, that wasn't sort of too big an issue, but it was something that, that we noticed. So yeah, there were just so many opportunities to meet characters. None, we didn't see many sort of walking around, which we'd heard about in kind of Facebook groups and stuff. But we certainly, there were just so many different locations that you could go to. Yeah, you'd be hard pressed not to, not to meet a character. And short keys as well. So you'd be waiting five, ten minutes maximum at any time of the day to meet anyone. You had a really cute one where some it was it was getting towards sort of eight, nine o'clock. And so obviously past Essen's bedtime. We were queuing to meet Pluto. And we're like, is this a bad idea? And he was sort of sort of saying, I want to go, you know, I want to go back to the room and stuff. And then he kind of got he said, Well I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna have a picture with Pluto. You kind of decide what you want to do when we get there. And we sort of it's, you know, it's getting really kind of worked up and a bit bothered. And I said, it's okay, we can go if you want. And as soon as Pluto started interacting with him, he just sort of <laughs> jumped out my arms. And then he had like a few minutes of them just sort of mirroring each other's sort of behavior and kind of going down on all fours and kind of bagging and all sorts of different things. Um, so yeah it's, yeah, it's that kind of thing that makes it, isn't it? But I think Pluto is like, some of, I don't know, some of our, fa- well, our son also loves Pluto. So I think that that makes it even more special. But some of the interactions with Pluto are just so good because they really can interact differently with the kids than, let's say, Mickey or Minnie, right? Because Pluto really can get super silly because he's a dog, right? So it's Stitch just, is another good one. Stitch is a great character. Yeah, for Stitch is another kids. one that does more kind of silly interactions. But yeah, I think, I don't know. I just, I love the interactions with Pluto when he holds his ears and he just, I don't know, just pretends to lick the kids or whatever. It's just really fun. <laughs> 
Well, we do need to take a pause in the conversation here for just a second to thank our amazing show sponsors over at Touring Plans Travel. We have said it before, but we will say it again. We use Touring Plans Travel to plan our own fabulous Disney vacations and Disney Cruise Line vacations and couldn't be happier with the service and experience and expertise that we get over there from our travel specialists. In fact, as we talk about this uh, cruise over in the UK, Sam and I were reflecting on the fact that we have a wonderful cruise planned for next September. It's been deferred two years now, so we are excited to do it. And it is going out of Dover to the Norwegian fjords. And we can't wait to be back in London, get over to the UK, see Norway. And all of that is truly possible because our Touring Plans Travel Specialists help us book it. So if you're looking to book a Disney vacation, a cruise vacation, a Disney Cruise Line vacation, head over to touringplans.com. You don't pay anything extra. Disney pays your travel specialist at the time you travel and your travel specialist has access to all the same rates you do. It's just that they will invest their expertise and their time. You don't have to wait on hold. You can get the best experience possible. So head over, check them out. Let them know the DCL Duo sent you to help support the show. And with that, back to our episode. You know, Anthony, I meant to ask, too, to go back to dining for a second. How did your son do with food on board? Did you think that they had good options for him? And, you know, did he seem to enjoy the food as well? I think that is where maybe the sit-down options actually led us down a little bit compared to going to Cabana's. Um, he's not the most adventurous of eaters anyway. <laughs> we thought hopefully it would inspire him a little bit and he could see what we were eating. But it was usually two options that they could have. Quite often it was you know, kind of macaroni and cheese or pizza. But obviously they can order off the main menu. So, you know, there's nothing stopping you sort of picking anything from there. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, we did hear from another UK cruiser that the options, the kids' options are very American. You know, I know not to say that kids in the UK eat differently from kids in the US completely, but they do have, you know, your comfort foods are different than our comfort foods. I think his comment was macaroni and cheese may not be considered sort of a normal kid meal in the UK, whereas in the US, like the amount of macaroni and cheese cups our son goes through <laughs> gets obnoxious. So. Although, although our son is really big on baked beans, which is really big <laughs> which British, is very British Yes, Yeah, beans on toast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, Anthony, it sounds like you had a great, some great activities to do. I would, I would say on the activity side of things, as much as there was, there was a really full schedule, there was a lot going on, I felt that for a three-year-old to keep him entertained was a struggle. So we were having to try and to do the trivia, we were having to you know, kind of distract him in other ways. You know, the things that were sort of more targeted for him beyond meeting characters. And, you know, a kid's only going to want to meet characters so many times in a day. Like, it's amazing how many opportunities you do get. But things like colouring, that's not, you know, it was just sheets of paper and some crayons. The mask making was just something they printed off the internet. And, you know, it, was just, it wasn't anything extravagant or special. So that was, again, something that would, I mean, you know, again, I'm so glad we kind of went, you know, did the experience and it was so ideal for, you know, when it's sailing from the UK. But again, I think I would just take a pause until things, they can put more activities on and there's, you know, ports of call and things like that. If you've got a three-year-old, or, you know, um, it's definitely something to think about because we, we were having to put a lot of effort in to keep them entertained throughout the day because we had some quite poor weather on the the second full day at sea but you know kind of uh, fourth day so that kind of ruled the pool out <laughs> as well and kind of r- r- ruled the top deck out so you couldn't you didn't want to be sit you know sat out watching movies on funnel vision and the kind of movies that they did have were all fantastic movies you know jungle cruise and kind of marvel movies 
past, you know, three-year-olds you know, can't watch any of those films. <laughs> we could have tried. <laughs> so that, that's one thing that I would... It was fine because we, we, you know, we love spending time with him and we wanted to kind of, well, you know, if we can keep him entertained, we know how to do that. They were a little bit limited at times. Yeah. Well, and that's a really good distinction for this, this being one of these staycation cruises, right? If we sail out of Port Canaveral to the Caribbean or the Bahamas, we've got beach days, right? So we've got, it breaks up the time on the ship. And so go to the beach for, you know, two thirds of the day, and then you come back on board and you do a few activities. And that's totally doable with a young kid, but then for us with a seven-year-old. But when you're on the ship all day, the weather is not great for the pool deck or the splash pads. Yeah, you are a lot more limited in what activities you can do. And you're right, the, the activities are targeted towards kids about our age, I would say, our son's age. Not, they're not, I mean, you can't really do origami with a three-year-old. It just doesn't really work, right? Or towel folding with a three-year-old. I mean, like, he probably enjoys seeing the towel animals, but he can't really make them. You know, it's just a little bit of over that age group. So, but I, again, I appreciate it. it's probably a small percentage of people who have sort of a child of his age who isn't potty trained, for example. Like it's 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 not that large a percentage of people. So I can understand why there isn't lots and lots of extra things. You know, because you know, next time we go, we'd be able to go in the kids' club, and there'd be lots of fantastic things for him to do in there. But um, yeah, certainly one to think about. So Anthony, what was the weather like on your cruise? Was it warm enough to take advantage of the pool deck? Did you head up there or was it uh, was it a little chilly? So on the first two to three days, it was it was okay. It was never warm because it's, it's September in the UK, so it's never going to be you know fantastic unless you're really lucky. And in fact, our warmest day was the Wednesday when we went back to port, which was not expected. It was supposed to be pouring down, but we had lots of sunshine. It was nice and warm. The fourth day was really bad. <laughs> It was really windy. It wasn't raining, but it was really, really windy, overcast. And I think we were limited because, the, you know, it's only two nights and they have to come back. So you're limited by how far they can, they can get out to try and find some sunshine for us. So um, I know on the kind of longer itineraries, I think they were able to go further afield and kind of head closer towards even Spain and places like that just to go a little bit further. But yeah, we they did the best they could, I think. Well, that's uh, so, and so. Did you brave the pools at all? Did you try out the aqua dunk yourself at all, or was it just too chilly? Oh yeah, we did. <laughs> <We're not gonna laughs> <go back. laughs> hey, you've got the same attitude I do. Yeah, we haven't made it on the magic yet. When we go out of Dover, I don't care how cold it is, I've got to go down the aqua dunk once or the aqua dunk once, I should say. So yeah, exactly as well. And when we looked, uh, I realized when we looked at our stateroom and looked up, we could see the <laughs> part of the aqua dunk. <laughs> sort of just sticks out right above our stateroom because I kept hearing like the odd scream now and again. I was like, where is that coming from? I was like, right, now I know. <laughs> and yeah, so we yeah, we um, yeah, um we went into um into the pools and you know, they're fantastic. And in fact one of my highlights, my personal highlights from the trip was on the sort of changeover day. You have this period of a good few hours when they kind of let you you know, they've checked that everyone's off the ship and you've had your test. There's a period where there's hardly anybody on the ship, really. There's just you and the other um, guests who are doing the back-to-back. So I went to the the adults-only pool and just had it to myself for about half an hour. <laughs> and it was in, you know, the sun was out. It was just incredible. It just that just felt like real holiday time, and I had some time to myself as well. Um, so that, yeah, that was really special, actually. And I guess what did what did you think of the aqua dunk? Thrilling? Too thrilling? Just thrilling enough? 
be honest, I was comparing it to to Blizzard Beach, which is because I I never I was always too scared to go on the tallest one there, which has a similar mechanism, doesn't it, where it kind of drops you. So I was always just comparing it to that and thinking, well, you know, that it's not too bad, it's not too scary. So no, I thought it, I thought it was it was thrilling, but not too. Yeah, I would recommend anybody should go on it because I remember going on this. Uh, Blizzard Beach, going, there's a slide next to it. I think it's called the Double Dipper. And I, that kind of launches you in the air twice. <laughs> and I remember not being able to see where I was going, being in midair, not really realizing I was going to be in midair, thinking, <laughs> I've come off I've come off the, <laughs> come off the track here. Like, what is going on? So compared to that experience, it was a breeze. <laughs> <laughs> so not too scary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, and uh, I, you know, we forgot to ask. What did you, did you get any sense of what the capacity was on the ship? How many people were on board? Did you ask or, or hear any rumors? Um, so I believe it was about fourteen hundred, and then they said there was yeah eight hundred and eighty staff um, on board as well, eight hundred cast members. Oh wow! So about the same number of people on board the Magic as on board the Fantasy. So it probably felt pretty full then. Yeah, and when we went to the shows in the evening, they were pretty full. Obviously, they had a person between each family. But yeah, they were they were pretty full. That gets to Sam's favorite question. Yeah, what did you think of the shows? That's what I want to hear. I thought they were really, really special. I thought that Tangled, like objectively Tangled, was better. Like it was like something I would pay good money to go see. If you know, obviously the a kind of a longer version, like I'd pay to go see that on the kind of West End or Broadway. And I'm a you know, big Tangled fan anyway. So I, yeah, that that was I, I thought it was really well done. That was really special, but. I think as, as as much as there are issues, I think, with Disney Dreams, <laughs> that is just the most Disney thing you'll ever see. And it's hard <laughs> just not to love it for that reason. Like they had the Fab Five just came on. Just for, I don't know if this is what normally happens, but they just came on and just performed a dance for a few minutes. And then the show didn't start. It wasn't the show. And I was like, what is, what is happening? <laughs> and I did think, because our son didn't make it to the shows, but I did think if anyone has a little one, if they can get them just to watch that first five minutes of the show before they go to bed or something, because that's when you see them in their kind of the costumes you'd expect to kind of normally be wearing. And that was such a special moment. I'd almost wish I'd known that that was coming because I would have taken him just for that first five minutes. And again, I don't know, obviously I've never seen it before, so I don't know what um, changes they, but I believe they've made changes. Yeah, they have made changes and I I haven't really kept up on, on what they've changed specifically. And they had a slightly different version, I believe, between a couple of the ships anyway, so... The the bit I would guess, and again, I've, I've no idea, but they had a Lion King section, which felt really fresh and had extra projections on the kind of walls and things like that. So that felt like it, it, almost the special effects and the whole experience just felt a bit more than some of the other. Maybe it's just because it was towards the end of the show. The Frozen section as well had just a lot of kind of special effects going. But just the reaction of the... I don't know if it was maybe the audience because it was on the second. Uh, I was watching them on different sailings, but this, you know, uh, and don't kind of go into any spoilers. But when there was the Little Mermaid section, that was kind of the biggest reaction from the whole crowd. People went absolutely crazy for for that bit. So yeah, just the the crowd reaction as much as anything <laughs> made that show. It was yeah, really really good. Well, and I will say we we haven't seen the Tangled show because we haven't sailed on the Magic yet. It's the for, the the fourth ship that we need to sail on, even though we're actually going to be sailing on the 
wish before we ever sail on the magic. But well, maybe we'll have to do I, a surprise trip to Miami to just get on board the magic beforehand. But I I have heard that that show I've heard is the best. I mean, I, I actually really love Beauty and the Beast, the production of Beauty and the Beast that they do on the uh, on the dream, I think is fantastic. Also been told that because I haven't seen Tangled, I, I I'm not I haven't seen the best. So yeah, the the mother Gothel, the person who plays her, she was unbelievable. Like, just they did such a good job of almost capturing the almost the people who play them. So you know, they're kind of getting the the main characters really kind of captured their essence. Whereas actually, some of the supporting characters could just maybe be a bit more individual and kind of be themselves a little bit more and bring their own bit to the role. You know, the, the I have a dream sequence to kind of see that on stage is it was so impressive and so well done. So yeah, it's it's really really special. Yeah, I love it. Love that. I love that movie too. So it's a. But I, I agree with you. I think the if they were longer shows, they fit right in right on Broadway or the West End. Absolutely. Well, let's see, Anthony, we have covered staterooms, pools, dining, activities, shows, characters. What stood out to you that we haven't talked about? Anything from the cruise that you're like, I really want folks to know about this? To me, I think it's well, actually there's some things, I guess, before the cruise, which stood out to me, which maybe I haven't heard heard people talk about in a podcast before. So I was surprised at I guess the Facebook groups that exist before you go on these cruises. So there, um, there was a Facebook group just for the UK staycations that people could kind of share tips and, and things like that. And there was also one for a specific sailing. Now, I suppose just a word of warning for me is that the, particularly for the UK staycation one was quite a polarizing place, I will say. <laughs> Obviously, there were people coming back from the cruises who maybe didn't have as good an experience. And I just thought, I don't want to read about that before I go on my own cruise. And there's a lot of kind of very strong feelings because it's Disney, isn't it? So people have a lot of strong feelings. So I just be very wary about kind of where you're getting your information and about uh, just getting too caught up in it, because I think it can really affect how you feel and your expectations about your stay. So, for example, there were lots of people who were getting upgrades from, you know, to veranda rooms, which obviously we'd paid for to begin with. And there was a little bit of me that was sort of thinking, well, you know, why are we getting an upgrade? And then I was like, what are you, this is ridiculous. This is so silly. Whereas I thought the Facebook group for a particular sailing was a really positive, nice place. Like it was just so nice to kind of just get excited with, you know, with massive Disney fans and kind of share pictures and that was a really kind of positive experience so uh, kind of it can be a really positive thing but also it can be quite um <laughs> can be quite a dark place at times as well <laughs> well and that's true that's true i think in general of well facebook groups period but it, for disney disney facebook groups disney cruise line facebook groups whatever are you know whatever sort of subgenre you're even talking about it, a lot of it really depends on how, you know, who the moderator is and what kinds of discussions they allow or don't allow. And then you could have a couple of really just nasty people that kind of ruin the whole vibe of the group, frankly. Yeah, I think I would say your mileage is going to vary across the various Facebook groups. We've had some really good ones. And then we've had a lot of ones that I would describe as just kind of meh, like, you know, there's some discussion, but not a lot. And then we've had we've had a few sort of bad ones. But I would say just, you know, join them and with caution and know that you can leave at any time. Like if it's just not your scene, just just beg off of it. You will have a fabulous cruise. If you're in a particularly good one, they can be a great way 
to make some friends, get to know people before you board the ship and get some tips and tricks from people out there. But yeah, your mileage is just going to is going to vary these days with the Facebook groups. We do have an episode for anyone out there listening who's like, what are these Facebook group things? Head all the way back in our archives to episode 13. It's all about Disney Cruise Line Facebook groups. It's with two fabulous Facebook group moderators, Rainy and Robin, who were on an 11-night sailing that we did, and we just had a fabulous time in their Facebook group. So head back there, listen to that. And all of this uh, stuff coming up now is making me think that we will have to maybe bring them back on to revisit the concept of Disney Cruise Line Facebook groups two years later and uh, get some get some more feedback out there for folks so they know they exist and what they are. But I'm, I'm curious, Anthony, about whether or not you got the sense either from the Facebook group or or when you were on board of how many people were first time cruisers versus repeat cruisers. Because obviously we've got the impression in the US that part of why Disney did these sailings was to try and maybe lure in some of some of the UK citizens who had never sailed on Disney before. There were a lot of first timers, not just from the Facebook group, but I remember we did one of the trivias and they just did a hands up and literally every hand was up for, for first time cruises. And that maybe because every, maybe, you know, all the <laughs> kind of diehard people had already done the trivia and stuff, but there was a <laughs> lot of a lot of first time cruises on there for sure. Again, I think it's because of the kind of cost involved and because you, you know, there's a lot of people who do go to Walt Disney World and will go to Disneyland Paris. But I think this has always not, never felt that accessible to people, but it certainly isn't something that was kind of top of mind, top of mind for us. I do think it did also, I'll try and say this in the nicest way possible, but I think it altered the kind of, maybe the mood of the ship. Again, I, I don't have anything to compare it to, but obviously I've listened to, your, to so many episodes of your podcast. And I do think the mood of the ship was slightly different because you had a lot of people who were trying to get a lot out of maybe quite a short period of time. Because it was, you know, it's still relatively expensive. Obviously, more affordable than than maybe other ways of accessing Disney. But it meant people had quite strong expectations of what they were trying to get out of. Sometimes it was just one full day at sea, and they were trying to get a lot out of it. So there was definitely some frustration at guest services, and maybe people who just because my my personal belief is with any Disney trip, and I certainly felt like this from the cruise trip that you get out of a Disney trip what you put into it. And I think there were some people who maybe weren't put in. You know, kind of being <laughs> understanding and putting that kind of effort themselves into the trip, I would say. And one thing it just made me think of as well that we've reflected on since is I think <laughs> it seems like an odd thing to say, but I think the crews really uh, lacked Americans. I just really miss kind of <laughs> I mean, the kind of conversations you have at Disney World and the kind of it's, it's almost like a, a different kind of cultural thing. And, you know, you guys invented Disney and I think it that kind of has a positive influence with the kind of the people who are there. So um, I almost wish there were more <laughs> Americans on board, actually. Because we're just a little bit stiff upper lip. We're just a little bit stiff upper lip. <laughs> you, you mean you, mean you, you want to have cruiser, fellow cruisers who will tell you their entire life story in the first 15 minutes that you meet them? <laughs> yes, yes. That's exactly what I'm after, yeah. Well, Anthony, as we wrap up here, uh, before we head into our rapid fire, I just sort of have one last question for you, which is, would you do it again? Did you find that there was value there? Are you thinking about sailing again? Would, would you take another Disney cruise? Um, we would do it again, for sure. I One thing I didn't mention is that I was terribly seasick. <laughs> so the first night, I just was up all night. I was, yeah, I was not well. Obviously, Disney was fantastic at sort of having kind of medication and stuff. So I kind of got back on track and it was all okay. But yeah, the, the first night was pretty rough. 
So it's definitely something I'd have to kind of do a bit of sort of prep for and make sure that I was kind of ready to do it again on the medication side. So yeah, don't let that put you off. You can still have a fantastic time if you do suffer from seasickness, but we would do it again. I think all eyes for us are on our next Disney World trip. Now the the announcement that the borders are opening up, that's kind of our next our next step. And then we'll, we'll sort of see. I like the idea of maybe doing, you know, it's not that many years now until I turn 40. I like the idea of doing a kind of dual, dual trip. Yeah, you can, you got to do, you got to do it big for your, for your 40th, maybe, maybe a little uh, land and sea. Yeah, exactly. And to be honest, the, every time I hear a podcast um, where they talk about Alaska as well, that just sounds incredible. And that's certainly something that's kind of on the bucket list. Well, and you got to get to Castaway Key. I, that's just that, like, if you get a chance to come over here and then take a sailing out of Port Canaveral and get to Castaway Key, it's even, I think, more magical in some ways than being on board the ship. So, yeah, um, that's a must eventually for anyone who's really interested in Disney Cruise Line. But, Anthony, let's head over, send it to Sam because she's got a little rapid fire plan for you. And I want to make sure that, uh, that we get that in. So, Sam, you want to take it away for rapid fire? Yeah. So the first few questions of rapid fire are general Disney favorites. Then I'm going to ask you just, just two parks questions. And then I'm going to ask you a a couple of your favorites from your recent two back-to-back Disney cruise. Let's start with your favorite Disney or Pixar character. I'm going to say Wally. Oh, I love Wally. (laughs) Favorite Disney or Pixar movie. Um, I'm gonna say, <laughs> I'm gonna say Moana. Oh, Moana's so good. The music is amazing. Favorite song, favorite Disney song. Uh, See the light from Tangled. Oh, and that's been reinforced from from this trip. <laughs> I've been seeing it on the stage, I love it. Your favorite Disney park. <sighs> Just like picking your favorite child, isn't it? Um, I'm gonna. <laughs> it's a good thing you only have one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as much as I think. Again, objectively, Animal Kingdom, I think, is incredible. But I'm going to say that it is Hollywood Studios. That's just where we have the most fun. So I'm going to say Hollywood Studios. Your favorite park snack. This is, I always think, very controversial, but that's why I love asking it. (laughs) Again, I keep picking two answers. Dole Whip would be up there. Because again, (laughs) it was amazing to have it on on the cruise. Um, they do, in Animal Kingdom, they do like a macaroni and cheese with pulled pork on top. And I just think that is a snack and also a meal. So <laughs> <laughs> it's just so good. It's so good. Okay, so now I'm going to move to just a couple of onboard questions. What was your favorite rotational dining? Uh, Tangle. Uh, the, yeah, the Rapunzel's restaurant. What was your favorite onboard food? Now, this could be a snack. This could be a single dish in the dining room. This could be something at Cabana's, anything. But what was your favorite item? Just because I haven't mentioned it, I'm going to say the chicken shawarma. I thought that was a real, real surprise. That was really good. Yeah. Okay. Favorite onboard activity? I am going to say it was the shows. It was, yeah, it was the shows. Absolutely. Okay. My last question for rapid fire. Disney bucket list trip. It would be Tokyo, definitely. I think I just really want to see Tokyo Disney Sea. I think just it just looks incredible. Yeah, absolutely. That's one I would love to do as well. Well, Anthony, we really appreciate you coming on and sharing your family's experience with us aboard the Disney Magic. And we hope to hear about you out there sailing again. And if you do, please reach out, let us know. We want to hear more about your travels. So thank you for coming on, Anthony, and sharing your family's experience with us. No problem. Thank you very much for having me. 
You know, one of the awesome things about this show is that we have an international audience, which just amazes me, by the way. It's amazed Sam and I from day one that anyone else would want to hear our thoughts about Disney Cruise Line, but it's even more amazing to know that we have an international audience and we get quite a few listeners from the UK and elsewhere. And so love that we have been able to connect with those folks and love that we've been able to make those connections and have folks like Anthony come on and share his experience with the Disney magic right now. So just really appreciate Anthony taking the time to share his family's experience and sounds like they had an amazing time. Hope he gets back out there sailing again. Sounds like maybe for his 40th birthday. And if he does, we'd love to have him back. So hope you enjoyed the episode this week. With that, I do have another five-star review that I want to read on the air this week. It comes from VexMe98. I probably just butchered that username, but uh, VexMe98 writes, the absolute best. I love listening to each show every week. They are constantly coming up with new and great ideas, have bonus content in between shows and make it a conversation with the listener rather than a talk show. Sam and Brian both bring amazing energy each week and have personalities that just can't be beat. Keep up the amazing work. Well, thank you for leaving that review. We really appreciate it and love getting listener feedback. So thank you for sharing that with us. And it keeps us motivated to keep putting the show out each week. So with that, I do want to thank every one of our listeners out there for listening. We really appreciate each and every one of you truly, truly. So thank you for listening to the show this week. If you're new to listening to the show, please hit that subscribe button so you can keep getting great content from the DCL duo each week. Please also head over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us those five-star reviews. We love getting the listener feedback and reading them on the air each week to share them with the rest of the community. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dclduo. You can also join the DCL Duo Vlog and Podcast Facebook group if you'd like to join a conversation with some like-minded DCL Duo fans and cruisers like yourself. Or you can head over to the DCL Duo channel on YouTube for even more great content. Just browse to youtube.com slash dclduo. If you'd like to help support the show, you can always browse to touringplans.com slash travel and let them know that the DCL Duo sent you when you book your next Disney vacation. Or you can become a supporter of the show by browsing to patreon.com slash dclduo and choosing from one of our monthly support tiers. We truly appreciate each and every one of our Patreons out there for helping to support the show each month. The DCL Duo podcast and blog are not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Company, or the Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney Cruise or a Disney Vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL Duo. Good night. Thank you.